Before we begin, I'd like to acknowledge that this podcast was recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and that Indigenous sovereignty was never ceded. I pay my respects to elders and custodians past, present and emerging and to those of the lands that this podcast reaches. As I embark on this process of speaking and listening, I'm doing so in the home of one of the longest continuous cultures of oral storytelling on the planet. Yeah, there's some sort of distance and intrigue and observation and dance that's played without interactions with other people. So I think I do do things that are more solid and that I could be recognised for, but I think people are interested in my image. I'm Ty Snaith and this is A World of One's Own, a series of conversations with women and non-binary artists I respect and admire. In each of these conversations, we attempt to break down the how and why of what we make. Together, we look at physical processes and how they relate not only to outcomes, but also connect to the unconscious or non-visual parallels and needs in our lives. Today, I'm here to introduce you to performance artist, filmmaker and visual mythmaker Rowan Oliver. This fascinating chat opens up a porthole into Rowan's rich world of supercharged make-believe, where she constructs fictions out of social tropes and images. Rowan casually takes me on a meandering investigation into how these amazing constructions of reality can help create understanding and empathy in the viewer. We discuss how this kind of work can also hold up a mirror to each of our own false narratives and constructed realities. Creating stories within stories, all symbolising different beliefs and drives. Rowan talks about the idea of being pre-emerging, a way of allowing oneself to exist in an experimental stage of art making. Quite clever, really. We talk about being okay with half-releasing or not quite finishing things, obscuring parts of yourself in order to create a kind of enchantment. She uses these methods to examine modes of control, the limiting and liberating qualities of desire, and her beliefs around how society and the powers that be have entrapped us into working. We start by talking about whether or not Rowan sees her work as mainly existing online. I think, like, online is, like, if it's social media, then it's social media. Mm. I like to think of online as, like, um, oh, I don't know, it just, like, is in that realm that it's in. And then I don't, yeah, give it the credence of, like, something that I would, like, release as something more precious. Mm. I think it's... Social media, which I think is probably what you're referring to the most. Yeah, yeah. That's for me is just like an experimental space. But then I also have like, I have multiple platforms on social media. And then that main Instagram is kind of like a, it's a, it's a practice because it's like a fake kind of construction Mm. of like what I think is like digestible for people in the right time to be like public in that way. So it is its own art and it's not authentically social media, Hmm. but is it art? (laughs) (laughs) Does it even matter? I would hope not. Yeah. You you would hope it's not considered as your your art main practice. Yeah. Hmm. I think it's, yeah. I think it's like people are compelled by it because it's something else, but it's still a social media profile. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. It is still a little window into part of you, but yeah. something you said the other day. I think that it's just being a millennial, though, and like yeah. 
it's just part of life, I think. It's part um, of life. And I think I'm part of like a generation that has really realized how much, as much as it's not your art, as much as it's casual, it's still a big part of life now mm. or something like that. No, oh, it's very visible. Yeah. Yeah, it's influential as well. and Memorable. And it reaches. Mm. Yeah. Um, but I guess getting back to you, your work, you are a big part of your work, right? Like your your yourself is at the centre of your work? Mm, I think, well, experience is. Experience. I think then, yeah. A friend was like to me the other day, like, I'm the sum of my experiences and I'm not me. Like, they were saying it about themselves and mm. I've been into that a bit more. So, mm. yeah. And so do you want to tell me a little bit, I mean, I know what I think you make, but I'm kind of fascinated with you as to what you think your main role oh, yeah. is, what you make. Um, when I was thinking over this interview today, I was like, um, I think I was able to break it up into performance and image and film mostly, and then things that kind of decorate that. That's a nice way of putting it. Yeah. I'm just in such an exploratory, there's something about social media and why I'm considered a emerging artist when I'm actually still in a really experimental place in my mm. career that is kind of funny. So I, I'm not really sure like what I make or even if I've made work that is like, because um, I'm always kind of half releasing things, like doing something to like cover it, like having a show in another city <laughs> that I can only just release like specific imagery of or something. So that people don't really know the whole thing. Yeah, but then there's always openings. You have to, like, get it while it's hot, but then, like, otherwise you might be confused if you're just viewing it through social media. But that's part of your intention, right? Yeah, I, well, I just think intrigue and is more captivating than a full story sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's really fascinating. I think mm. it's really interesting to be um, honest about that as well because often people aren't. Like, often people might do that but yeah. then actually make some kind of really long-winded complicated statement about what it is that they do but not many yeah. people just say I have to do things or <laughs> like, that's part of that's your practice and or do no- things and then obscure them or yeah. like do a performance but actually it's a photo project or it turns out that's what it ends up being or something or like mm. um making a film but then only showing it in the gallery where people only get to see 10 minutes of it or something. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of, I mean, I don't think self-destructive is popping into my head, but I don't think that's exactly the right term that I'm looking for. I feel that. But (laughs) but yeah, go on. I feel like it's kind of, um, it's an interesting mixture of like what feels like kind of this privileged exposure Mm. and an obscuring as well, like a kind of denial at the same time. I feel like there's this, you want people in, you want people to see you, but then at the same time um, you kind of don't, you know? Yeah, maybe. I don't know what the exposure is. I think the exposure is just about the way that people like me end up being circulated in social circles or something. Do you want to expand on what people like, like me means? Oh, uh, I think like people who are read as like transgender women. Yeah, there's some sort of distance and intrigue and observation and dance that's played without interactions with other people. So I think dance a lot of the nice time thing. I do do things that are more solid and that I could be recognised for, but I think 
I think people are interested in my image. And especially if I'm not just like a plain image of me, mm. but I think when it toes the line and you play with gender roles in or like your peer or there's multiple layers to that mm. or something. Yeah, I don't know. I like being, I've, I've written down here like being seen and not heard. And mm. I think it can be good sometimes because I think visual communication is just so, like imagine if we put as much like resources into really valuing visual communication <laughs> as we did language. Imagine. Like, yeah, like <laughs> it's just, it's real. I think there's something about, I mean, when I spoke to you the other day, there's something about beyond just image and what we understand of self-image. There's something with you that's kind of like this really rich world of um, kind of make-believe or something. Yeah. My art is very – and, yeah, I guess the social media is art because it's like I've been thinking lately, like, I do like to make beautiful things and, like, things that are, like, really trying to put – the viewer into like a new way of thinking in quite a gentle and exciting way or something mm. as well. So I think make believe is good, but I think now that we've Instagram has revealed that we're all in make believe or something, <laughs> <We're all know>. like- <laughs> <laughs> but then we're not. And then like, mm. it's okay to, I think make believe maybe a bit soft and I hope we're all softening to this mm. marketing that's going on all around us. You mean something. that it's also leaking into real life? That it extends. What do you mean by that? Sorry. Well, you know that we're all softening to it. Do you mean being aware of the sort of um, artifice that we're part of yeah. or p- participating in? Yeah. Or do you mean that, that that is coming into our life where we feel allowed to in, say, a situation where you might feel like you have to be a certain thing? Yeah. You can also try I that don't out. Think in, I don't think social media is real life, really. But even though there's mm. real characters of our lives in it, <laughs> <laughs> it's like. Made up. Yeah, it's but what funny, about like the, but what about art? Isn't that also made up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a series of different made up realms that you know. Yeah, that you're we're we're going between as artists. Yeah, is that how you feel? Yeah, I think everything should be like a. Well, I want it to be like a amazing kind of construction because mm. I think those are like portals for knowledge or something, mm. and yeah. It should be a snippet that is only something and I don't need to include the dark sides of life in every gesture I make or something no, necessarily. I think there's different types of people as well. There's people that do really embrace including the dark side of themselves mm. in all of those worlds. Mm. But, I mean, I've never been one to do I that. think in do, like, I do, like, in social media maybe not, but in, like, film I do, mm. in, in image, in still image, not as much. Like, maybe there's... A dark side to it and and then in performance yes also so one of the works that I saw of yours in terms of performance that I that really kind of um was captivating for me was documentation of a performance that happened in Mm. America Mm. where you kind of like built this screen there was a live audience and you kind of built this screen thing and then there were sort of people there was like some kind of like nymphy queer characters and they were kind of playing and doing these yeah doing this thing in the middle of it was at MoMA PS1 in like this big dome that they have outside Mm. 
And um, so it was just, it was a big circle space and there was, it was just full of people. And then there was like, and then these characters started circling them and they were kind of more like, um, like corporate. Um, Suti people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, glamorous people. And But aren't nymphy people glamorous as well? Um, not to confuse the story, sorry. I think they're beautiful, but maybe not glamorous. <laughs> okay, continue though, continue. <laughs> but um, anyway, yeah, and then, yeah, we they created this screen. There were so many elements to this thing, but, um, and that was like, it was all Lancome, like the for cosmetics company. Mm. And then, yeah, it was using like the, the people's like, the weapons that they've used against us, like back on them and then to disarm them and then to like, take their like uh, I don't know everything and um use it to like build a better world and <laughs> like <laughs> and then power and then like because they went behind the screen and we took their clothes off and then like um put sand over them and um let a snake like run around on them and stuff yeah it was pretty I mean I wasn't there I was only watching secondhand but it, it was a fairly rich yeah. analogy for um I mean, yeah. especially hearing you talk about it, that's another layer of describing it. But even just watching it, not having heard you explain it, yeah, there's it's like pretty intense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just think, yeah, performance art is like everything just kind of can mean something and it can be like a little story and then you just like, but you kind of create a story that has, I like to think of like characters and elements and allowing everything to symbolise something else, mm. but in this way that kind of hopefully makes a bit of sense and like, and then seeing what comes out of that because it can be a quite like kind of like if you allow something to symbolize something else but it's kind of the extreme of it it kind of becomes this really intense story mm. or something yeah and then like an analogy or yeah, a myth almost charged yeah like yeah. a myth yeah yeah and then yeah there was another one that i did in melbourne like um in the middle of last year um at Westbase, and as bridge of fitzgerald like my friend um we kind of worked on it together and um, with a troop of other people. And um, it was kind of a similar kind of like narrative winding thing. It was all about like the goal of sustainability and the, <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like really hating on sustainability, individualist culture. Mm. And then I've seen actually, not to say that, but now I'm seeing a lot of talk around that. Um, hmm. <laughs> like, cause I think when we were being, it's just, I just was realizing that that was another way of feeding us like a false narrative or something that was like, when it's not out, out in our control, like as individuals to take sure. responsibility for any of that. So yeah, there was like, a, there were these like contributors and then they, um, they, everyone transformed in it. Oh, maybe. Yeah. But aren't you sort of like. Uh, aren't you kind of interested in that, the false narrative as well in your, you know, like I yeah. guess being critical of it in, by using it almost, it's almost like you're adopting it to put it back out there or something like yeah. that kind of like that comment you made the other day about reflecting, um, almost like reflecting a false image to yeah. other people. Or so maybe it's in the reflection that you find and comparing them that you find like where you stand something. or something yeah I think it's something really hard to because I don't think articulate. it's like I don't it's my 
it's not false from me. Like, mm. it's what I observe and I'm putting a version of truth out there. Mm. So, yeah, I think you, that's a, like, when you see multiple sides of things, that's then you can kind of find, like, in the mm. way that you want, we kind of want to take from old knowledge or ancient wisdom and stuff, but then we also, like, know that we've discovered new things. So then you discover, you look at what's been discovered and you look at what the old teachings were and, like, you can find, like, yeah, something that you think is, yeah. Mm. Um, I'm also sort of quite aware of the complexity of your work, your person, your life, you know, and I'm really aware of not wanting to reduce that, like from our previous chat. Yeah. I think there's something really difficult about having a practice that is, um, you know, that you really try to keep as open as possible. And it seems to me that that's what you're trying to do is to to keep that as things broad. will shed like yeah, things right. will shed you can foresee that happening yeah like i i don't want to just keep going and trying to be like on top of everything cuz <laughs> you know like like well i'm not even going to like talk about there's so many things that have been shed like i used to do a lot more like material installation hmm. and i still do but it's always now on the side if it happens it happens or something and then, so yeah. do you? You don't. You don't even consider yourself emerging yet. Is that what you were saying before? Is that what you? You were sort of like you're in an exper- pre-emerging experimental stage. Uh, Is that how you see yourself? No, I'm here and I'm ready yeah. to have a museum show. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was sort of interesting how you're. You're. It's. I feel like you're sort of making space for yourself in this slightly self-destructive way of. Oh, yeah. Of like this is. <laughs> This is where this I'm not emerging, I'm not established, but I'm definitely here. And it, you're tactical in many ways. Well, like, okay, the reason why I think artists, like, feel like they need to show something that is completed is because, like, it's a capitalist, like, Society, like system. you yeah. need to compete for it. Yeah. But, like, that's not actually... And then also, and then we find like a lot of the most privileged artists who don't have never really had to work because they've been born into something like now like sit in this like more experimental territory or something. Because they can. Yeah. Like, and because it's the most interesting art, like that is what art is. It's just like generating ideas that are like really, they don't care. Like they just like are little examples of like feelings or like, yeah, generating feelings or something. I don't know. Like I want art, my art to be like really a real, real gift for people. Hmm. But I think, anyway, is that the point you were getting at? Yeah, yeah. No, I just think it's really fascinating how... Experimental. I'm just like... Yeah. I don't know. I just, you're making yourself a new category or something. I just think, like, <laughs> I'm just like, stop. Like, if you don't want to pay attention to me, don't pay attention to me, yeah. but you're paying attention to me. So, like, if I'm not supposed to be here, tell me. Or, like, you know, whatever. I'm probably not going to listen. But, like, um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I feel like when you speak to artists about, like, why they, like, don't see themselves as part of the system, it's mm. just because that's the position that we come from. It's, like, mm. grew up, didn't want to, like... <laughs> do maths. Didn't want to do maths. <laughs> like, so, like, fuck it. And <laughs> Parents like, didn't understand. I'm just going to be critical of shit and, mm. like, share knowledge and, like, create moments for people and create understanding and... I will, like, play a game that is, like, the art system game and I'll play it well, but then, like, that's not really, like, my art either. How do you play that game? You give the gallerists what they want. What do they want, do you reckon? <laughs> Something to sell. Always? Yeah. Hmm. 
What well, do you like, have you know, to sell? If they sell? are in a museum, then it's looser. Mm. I think that's a nicer space to be in for, like, some people sometimes. Well, like, if I am in, like, a commercial gallery or something, I'd like to give them some, like, a beautiful video work mm-hmm. and some sculptures. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. Yeah, but that, but that, that doesn't seem to be the 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 crux of what you're kind of actually interested in. No, I'm interested in moving into like Aquarian frequencies <laughs> <laughs> and um, taking down the government. Fuck those dogs. Yeah, how are you going to do that? <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a journey. Like, hopefully, just make heaps of money and give it to people. Yeah, that's know. a good way to do it. <laughs> you got to work out how to make it in the first place. That's the problem. It's isn't probably going to be some evil way. Um, There's something I guess I wanted to talk about or spend some time talking about is just um, something that came up earlier with us, just the sort of notion that I think we both feel a little bit passionate about, artists reaching out, like having very safe, rich inner worlds or even worlds that they share with other artists, mm-hmm. communities that are mm. outside of them or just different to the mainstream. Um, but I feel very passionately about, like, artists reaching out to other people in the world. Yeah. And you seem to feel something for that as well. Yeah. How can you? How can we do that? I mean, how do you do that? I think just trying to, like, get as, like, close to the centre as possible in your, like, appearance and, <laughs> and your, like, approach. Like, I'm always trying to be, like, totally accessible but totally, like, radical at the same time. Mm. So, and I just think, yeah, not being afraid to engage with systems that you don't agree with but that are there nevertheless. Mm. Not to profit from them but I have a media practice as well that is still in development, like, I would love to really be, like, telling stories in a really compelling way in the media and hopefully not just leftist media. Hmm. Um, so telling fictional stories? Is oh, that what you mean? Or well, telling no, real stories? I think it's all fiction. Like, even if you're taking from <laughs> someone's, like, life, you're showing a part of it and you're creating, like, yeah, a I feeling know. and you have an agenda and, like, all of that. So, So, yeah. so what's your agenda? Just, just, just to just, just to create like so. empathy and like awareness, and we just need to all be contributing to this like awakening that's mm. going on. And I, I don't agree. know, and like not getting in despair either. Like even though there is so much despair, like I just hate this. Like it's like the climate change debate always seems to like have a little like when it's too late or like <sighs> it's almost too late or something. And it's like uh, it's always better than something actually. Like. Do you think by, I mean, I think about this kind of stuff all the time as well and often when I'm pressed, you know, by my partner or whoever, they're like, why are you doing, why do you do this stuff? Like why do you put yourself through being public or um, having an opinion on record? Because it sometimes can be quite stressful and it can be quite, um, you know, make you feel quite vulnerable um, to other people's opinions mm. or, you know, so it it's easier not to do it for sure. And that's why my, yeah, that like main social media outlet I have is like pretty tame because it's like, even though it's like, like my opinion is about bigger things. Like you don't need to have an opinion about me. Mm. Like have your own version of bigger things or mm. like. Yeah, I think um, I think when, what I was going to say is when I'm pressed on that, like why you do it, because I think about it all the time. Like why why do we do it? Because we are connected to the earth. 
and we feel yeah. for it. I feel for it. But I think also I just have a deep down, like I think some of us have a deep down want or or sort of like desire to make some kind of change yeah. in the yeah, yeah, yeah. status that's quo. Right. And I feel like that might be something that you, like I feel like you're going through something at the moment that's evolving, obviously, like it's, you know, not emerging, but whatever that thing is, the experimenting, experimental, as you said, that other stage, that other place that you've yeah. made that is finding ways to kind of not infiltrate or just to make change or to sort of like test out ways to draw attention and make change. Test out ways because there's ways in which our society can change right now in very minute ways that will have like big impacts. Like Mm. I think I could be better at it, but I try to be (laughs) more like wholesome and like and solid. You do a lot of face masks. Okay, okay. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> and you then, do you look know, very show, wholesome. Show the do they have face masks? Are wholesome? Like, no, but you do. You're eating good. an apple right now. I do think of you as wholesome. You don't think of yourself as wholesome. Is that a construction? No, I'm not. You I'm, try to be as wholesome. Where none can. of us are wholesome. We are capitalist <laughs> children. Like we <laughs> are evil. <laughs> yeah, but you strive for wholesomeness. Yeah, I can tell. Yeah. yeah. So that's the an wholesomeness is thing. just like something that you do for yourself like Mm -mm. and like I'm obsessed with salad yeah like just to like do the things for you that feel good and then that's just self-care I guess yeah I mean self-care like I think there's all these strands in your practice that are really fascinating in your person like the model like you you know you have actually modeled right right and the model thing is like and then like that role model and viewing yourself mm. as a mirror thing, like just getting images out there. And like, that's good that, yeah. People should have, like young queer kids should have like role models that are not just like, like <laughs> some pa- someone walking Paris Fashion Week. Like mm. you want a, someone who's, you want to see people out there who are like dynamic. And I just think, yeah, maybe like being visibly trans, it's like puts another level of pressure on you to like be visible mm. or it's 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 a good thing to do. Is it a responsibility, do you reckon? Um, or it just is? It's up to the individual. Yeah. I think, like, if... I think I've seen its positivity for, like, especially for, like, you know, the amount of, like, untapped, like, queer energy that exists in Australia, I think, mm. and, like... Definitely. Just because of, like, the amount of... Like, we've experienced gender liberation here for, like, a while in ways I understand that sometimes feminists have a problem really admitting that, but we've got a lot of it. Yeah. Gender liberation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like, that's incredibly so powerful just women people in here, So many young people here like uh, who don't have so many limits in how they need to behave and mm. then that can create quite yeah, amazing things when people really can believe that. So then when they're given a bit more, like, encouragement, a.k.a. they can, like, see other people doing it, Mm -hmm. then it just not creates a knock-on effect, I think. And it allows them to step into that Mm. thing that they might have imagined. I guess I also wanted to just keep talking to you about creating yourself, like, the sort of confidence that it requires or determination that it requires to create yourself and your, like, to follow your imagination to the point where, you know, you don't let anyone stop you. And what that takes. Oh, I haven't discovered that yet. Really? <laughs> Do you- I reach, I'm reaching, I'm in a year of reaching my limits and like coming up against a lot of, um, yeah, things like that. So I wouldn't want to 
I wouldn't be able to speak on the answer to those things. But what, what, oh, maybe I, I don't know. Like just man, it's just been a depressing week. Oh, <laughs> I guess just what it requires to. I mean, particularly as a as a trans artist, but as a person that you know comes up against things, as you say, and doesn't feel privileged or entitled in any way, but has to keep like you have to keep going, you know, to be. You have to keep yeah. re reinvigorating yourself, like what that takes. Yeah. And the only thing I'm coming up against now really is my own capacity. I just have this like feeling to want to do and work so much, but then I also have this like feeling and that feels like the more like social person in me and like the society or like the person who's raised in a society. And then I just have this overwhelming feeling of like just chill out and just you don't, you're not here to do any of that, like, in a way, like, because the world doesn't want to be changed. But then you do want to. Mm. So, I don't know. I think don't fall into existentialism. <laughs> yeah, no. It seems like you're in you it You want to stay lot. in the present. I'm in it too much. Yeah. yeah. But you want to get into those realms to, like, see where the world could go. I think what keeps me up at night is, like, I think in the sense that I'm an artist, like, I do want to do things for other people. So... Yeah, so I'm throwing this party. It's just, like, a bunch of people who are promoting it, who are, like, my friends from around and about. And we're going to... And then it's just, like, all going to Gifts for Madison Nauru. So it's just, like, a... That's, like, in a way, like, a social practice. like a, Yeah, it is a social practice, for sure. I like it. I wouldn't want people to, like... Yeah, anyway. It's cool. No, it's I like definitely it. cool. I think like But it's performative as well, which I think is kinda interesting. Yeah. It is though. If- it's almost like that couldn't happen if it wasn't. And that's what makes it sad. Like I wanna be like, why don't all I feel like a party like that could happen every week though, and all of like the people who care could just go to that party. Hmm. And then like, you know, obviously DJs have to get paid, like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, not they're not at this thing because we're, like, doing it once a year at the yeah, moment. Yeah. So it's just, like, no one works and then we, we donate all the money. Mm. But, like, it could happen on, like, a weekly basis where, like, you know, you're paying $10 to get into the door and it's a great club, but mm. you know that pretty much all of that money is going elsewhere and, like... You know what? I think you should start that club. I think I should too, but... I think you, I need sh- I think you should. Because I think that that's... Australia Council... <laughs> I think that that's kind of like the the a practice that maybe doesn't exist here yet, but mm, you maybe. could imagine existing in Berlin or something, you know. So do you see the video work kind of continuing as something that is that where you're I mean every time you've brought it up it seems that video or documentation of performance in some way is what you're sort of interested in following. Yeah. Cuz I think if you can create feelings in people it can be really good. Yeah, it can be really powerful. And I think film is, like, with performance and with photo, I feel like pushing, like, aesthetic boundaries is, like, really important and, like, getting into, like, that language. What do you mean by aesthetic boundaries? Maybe that's more an image. Just, like, the unfolding narrative of, like, what is, like, the extremes or, like... um, Like what? You need to explain one to me. What's What's an extreme aesthetic boundary? I think it's got a lot to do with beauty and, like, Mm. adding and layering elements that create. I just think in the narrative of, like, fashion images or something, there's always kind of some precipice that is, like, keeping on going. So, 
Yeah, keep talking about that. So the precipice, the precipice of beauty. I think we're quite afraid of like what we think is beautiful Mm. and I think it's just expanding that out. So my photo practice isn't so worked out at the moment, but I think it's mostly visible probably like through images of myself. But then I think with film, I like to like really touch onto other people's reality and like kind of find a more like democratic um, access point, like kind of just like filming conversations and things that are relatable and things like that. You can do that with photos as well. And, but I think like, if I'm going to do that with photos, that's like a professional practice like that I would do for money or something it's not really art do you know David Rosetsky's practice right yeah so do you know I've got one of his hanging on the way up to my studio you know that lightning thing yeah 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 Yeah. right well his early work sort of makes me did you see his early videos yeah that yeah they're so casual and like so mm, um but constructed at the same time constructed and casual yeah and really I, good. I kind of it's think a really of, good sensibility. Yeah, well, I think of his work when I think about those things you're saying because I think he um, has this, yeah, has this really kind of quite mm. acute way of catching. And there's just like that. every a million ways that you can construct that and you have mm. to think of all the elements together. Mm. Like, yeah, casting and... Mm. Casting as a Scene medium. impulse and like, yeah, well, I've mm. done that before. Like, casting is really important and... You can do amazing, you can tell stories with casting, just putting bodies next to each other. Fascinating. Yeah. As as materials. Yeah. Mm. Don't you and, think, like, yeah. in so many different ways, it's like, why would two people have a relationship or something or, like, a connection or just to be put together or multiple people or things like that? Could you ever see yourself, you know, like, writing a film film? Yeah. Yeah, well, I, the films I've made now have been, like, sort of snippets of my life and other stories, mm. and they, I want to make, like, a really good, a really amazing TV show that I probably shouldn't share the idea <laughs> of. <laughs> no, maybe here. don't, someone might steal it. <laughs> um, but that sounds good. But yeah, in a film, yeah, no, totally, I'd love mm. to be a filmmaker. I mean, mm. anything that... Anything that kind of emulates real life but isn't, that can, that you can use those those sort of tropes of, yeah, casting and people, using people as part of your material. Yeah. Yeah. And I think pushing those barriers and telling stories, like there's just so many ways to tell a story of like a person who's not repressed. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know why it's popped into my head a few times and I don't know how I feel about this book, but it's just popped into my head. Have you read that book, um, Women Who Run With The Wolves? No. What's it about? You should probably read it. It's, it's, um, I love it and hate it because lots of it's one of those books that people like I just did to you say you should read this book because it's about these kind of like archetypal stories of women throughout history fairy tales and different things where they actually like fight back or they actually um, you know they kill their oppressor or they yeah but it's all written in this kind of like fairy tale type language mm. and it's it's quite empowering the first time you read it but then when you reread it you're like. Oh, really cringeworthy but it's kind of interesting I think that idea of using fairy tale or narrative particularly um as a woman because traditionally yeah. fairy tales are um quite oppressive you know yeah like for for women like they're quite like the princess think, or the whatever yeah and it, I guess it yeah there's in representation and gender comes so much into it but in gender in the way of like what how gender maybe like can determines your action or your 
decisions in what you actually do and mm. things like that. I guess choices are also sometimes intuitive and sometimes cognitive, you know. Mm. And I think that as an artist as well, yeah, I don't. That comes uh, up a lot. Yeah, that distinction's so fine. It is fine, and I think sometimes when pressed, artists are very. Um, some I know I struggle a lot to uh, identify mm. why I do things or what why you know like where did that work come from it's the mm. hardest question in the world where did that and getting back to film I think like if you like can capture like these decisions and things in reality in real time I think like and working with like mm. improvisation and working with real people who have created themselves in response to the world like you can see it's all it's all one goal it's all about like probably like letting people see like the narrative that's been put on top of them and and when they see that that is connected to omnipotent forces in their life then like they will be angry about it mm. i don't know yeah. i yeah it it makes sense to me it makes sense because sometimes you're unaware of those those narratives that have been laid on you, you know, that have been, that you've been yeah. given from a small child. And I think it's super brave and kind of amazing to um, take that apart and consciously say, this is, these are my narratives. Yeah. Um, which you seem to be doing daily, like this, and then having a goal through your work to kind of create these shareable narratives, like a film, which is really what it is, isn't it? Mm. How do you feel about directors like, um, like Lars von Trier, you know, um, that actually put their subjects. Melancholia is really good. Melancholia is Oh, they actually put their work? Oh, like, subjects you know, through the early acting or Yeah, something. or through intense, you know, the early work they did where you're almost, that's, is it Stanis, Stanislav, Stanislav or whatever the theory mm. is where they actually, you know, trap the actors in a building and um, yeah. they're not allowed to eat food or they have to, you know, there was that famous one. That he did where he had them in different levels. That's of what you need to do for the work. Building. I think, like, that just has to be a conversation with the collaborators. I don't know. Mm. It sounds like in the past it's not been a very clear conversation with him, I think. I think it's just, I, I find it, and I think it's always men and that then, have this, have this, um, interestingly, have this kind of, like, negative way of doing that, like someone mm. like Spencer Tunick, for example, using, have, have you ever I been? I think you should always be, like, supporting the performer, yeah. like, through the process and not, just giving them problems to deal with. Have you ever been in one of his photographs? Spencer, Spencer? Spencer Tunic? No. So he, he uses masses of naked bodies oh, and yeah. puts a call out. And then oh, yeah, yeah. I did it about 10 years ago. And I remember thinking, oh, this will be great. Like, this will be really kind of liberating and fun. It was so horrible. And he just Whoa. stood up on a, he stood up on a ladder, like a step ladder, fully closed with a loudspeaker and yelled at us, get down. No, you put your head down. It was like, I couldn't help thinking it was like we we're in some kind of, you yeah. know, like horrible situation Damn. where, you know, and it, I guess it comes, the photographs come across like they're quite beautiful because it's human flesh and it's using these bodies against each other to show difference and, and sameness and whatever. But Maybe. then the reality of posing for one of those photographs was actually really horrible. Yeah. And I guess that that's the responsibility of any kind of director or, um, you know, artist that's working with people's bodies, isn't it? It's a tough... I mean, artist, director, dictator, fascist, like... <laughs> but you don't want to find yourself in those that position, but... I like... don't want to not be kind to people and not to create, like, consent and understanding with people, but mm. I think everyone has their roles mm. and 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> sounds dictatorial, but you know, in different situations. So part of being a director is, um, is going for that. I don't yeah. Know. You can be a gentle director. Yeah. Amazing. Gentle. Maybe sometimes though, like, cause aggression is really important. Talk about that. Um, if we don't, if we're not aggressive, we won't do things. And if we don't, it's like an energy in us that drives us. So, you know, you want to be in control of it. But I think, yeah, in these, all these discussions about like toxic masculinity, we don't want to like delve into like um, not doing and not hmm. being decisive. And and sometimes that comes across as much as we have to be like sensitive to each other, we should also be sensitive to people's efficiency or something. Mm. I mean, I struggle with with the idea of aggression because I get angry all the time mm. and I feel like it does drive part of who I am mm. and my um, ability to do things. But it can also, for me anyway, it can create as many problems as it does outcome. You know what I mean? Mm. Like I think, yeah, aggression is one of those. I don't like hate. You mean hate? I don't like oh, hate. Oh, you don't like hate. No, hate's never. But aggression as well. I mean, a lot of people are really um, can't deal with any kind of aggression. I think it, that's a problem. Yeah. I think we don't want to be too polite. Toxic politeness <laughs> is really sad. Toxic and politeness. And Melbourne, big problem. Mm, interesting. Australia, big problem. Mm. Well, I think, um, unfortunately, just on that opening up of an idea, <laughs> I think we've reached kind of the um, end. But, I'm... but be nice to your friends. and like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And yeah. even your new friends or prospective friends. Yeah, yeah. Be nice to strangers too. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's a good thing. Good way to finish on. Um, thank you so much for coming in today. I think I feel like my head's just cracked open and fallen all over yeah, the floor. But I feel like we got into a bit, a bit wound in on something. <laughs> When we were talking about, um, we but, oh, sorry, sorry, <laughs> we, we can finish the podcast. I don't want to finish that. <laughs> well, yeah, thanks for coming in, Rowan. What I was trying to remember in the final part of this conversation is the Stanislavski method of directing and training actors, named after theatre practitioner Konstantin Stanislavski. He actually cultivated what he calls the art of experiencing, mobilising the actor's conscious thought and will in order to activate less controllable psychological processes, such as emotional experience and subconscious behaviour. I couldn't help but think about this a few times throughout this conversation with Rowan, especially the bit about the art system game. Often as artists, it does feel like we're trapped in some kind of weird game or play, Could it all come out in a few years' time as an epic filmic masterpiece? I love it how Rowan talks about shedding parts of her practice in order to reach a truer essence of herself as an artist. How she says, I don't want to just keep going and trying to be on top of everything. This is such a fresh perspective of allowing yourself to fail and evolve and being okay with that. I guess that's one way to mess with the capitalist system. It was also refreshing to hear an artist talk about coming up against your own self, the real struggle of whether you want to make anything at all, and the existential pressures of being a complex, creative human. The thing that most sticks in my mind from this conversation was where Rowan says, in the reflection of false images and different versions of truth, 
you might find where you stand. This conversation was hosted by me, Ty Snaith. I'm an artist for those of you who don't know my work. I'm actually making a series of artworks inspired by each of these conversations. The first iteration was shown recently at Sarah Scout Presents. The exhibition's over now, but you can see the documentation on my website. For more information about the project and the artists I'm speaking to, head to tysnaith.com. Thanks to my audio producer, Beck Fari, and Melbourne musician Fia, spelt P-H-I-A, for letting me use the track, End of the Day, from her album, The Ocean of Everything. This podcast was originally conceived as part of the exhibition Unfinished Business, Perspectives on Art and Feminism at the Australian Centre for Contemporary Art. This second season and the exhibition is supported by the Australia Council for the Arts.